Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Steve Thompson. It's a joy to be with you this morning. I'm one of those proud grandparents that Matt was alluding to. And um, since we're breaking all the rules, Matt, um, we, ha- we welcomed another precious baby girl. Also, just prior to the end of the year, Isla Lane was born. Say this to the Rumbles. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Today we wrap up our series in 1 John, one that we began the first of this year, and it's a letter applicable to all of us and really has to do with assurance. You know, the world is full of uncertainty, isn't it? Would you agree? Um, The economy, COVID, the weather, there just aren't many things certain in this life. Will Rogers said the only things that you can absolutely be certain of are death and taxes. Um, But pointed out that death doesn't get worse when Congress is in session. (laughs) First John is a book about knowing. It's about knowing that we belong to him. It's a book that's not really so much about knowing the gospel because the book of John really covers that. But today, we have a test. Ooh, yes. So, you ever had an instructor that gave you the final exam at the first day of class? So, you're getting the exam. This is the exam, but I don't want you to, if you've got your number two pencil, just leave it in the pew. We're going to get to this exam at the end. Blessed assurance, is it yours? Is it yours? Today we'll be in 1 John chapter 5. We're going to read the entire chapter, but we're going to do it in parts. We're going to read part 1, which is John 5, 1 through 5, and then we'll read 6 through 12, and then 13 through the end of the chapter. But before we go to God's word, let's join our hearts together in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a privilege to come together as part of the body of Christ and to be about your word. Lord, I pray that each one of us would enter into a spirit-led introspection of our relationship. Lord, that you would calm the chatter in our heads for these few moments and bring us into the illuminated truth that is your word. Lord, glorify yourself this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's talk just a little bit about the test. Because I know some of you have test anxiety. There's really no place on this tour not applicable. N.A. Do you ever get that questionnaire or that test in it? The question is N.A. Just the other day I was filling one out and it asked if I was pregnant. (laughs) And that's N.A. Okay. But in this instance, there really is no not applicable because you see assurance 
cuts both ways. Back in the height of the Cold War, there was a doctrine that we referred to often as the MAD doctrine, the MAD doctrine. It was the doctrine of mutually assured destruction. Should any nuclear attack on another, they could be assured that they would indeed succeed in destroying their target, but could be likewise assured that they too would be destroyed. When it comes to assurance, there is the blessed assurance of those who are in Christ and are assured of an eternal life with Christ, but there is also the assurance of destruction and eternal death for those who do not know him. So there is really no not applicable in this exam. And for those who don't or who do nothing, that is the destination. Imagine being on an airplane, which you'd like to be imagining about now, on your way to Miami. You're at 30,000 feet, and, the, and you call over the flight attendant, and you say, excuse me, what do I have to do to get to Miami? What's the answer? Nothing. Nothing. Just sit there. So as we think through this exam and we read these passages of Scripture, be prepared to ask in the quietness of your own heart, do you have that blessed assurance? Let's read chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We are overcomers. We are victors. We're winners. We're conquerors. In fact, Romans 8.37 says that we're more than conquerors. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, not rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, or height, or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we are victors. We are overcomers. And that we overcome. What do we have victory over? Whom or what do we have victory over? We have victory over Satan, the evil one. We have victory over the world system. And we have victory over death. Amen? The original uh, trash-talking apostle Paul himself said, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your sting? What do you got? We have victory even over death. And this victory that overcomes the world... It's faith. Faith is the... And only those who believe 
come to him, know him, believe in their heart, and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, is a victor, a conqueror. An overcomer knows and loves the Father and in turn loves the children who are born of him. Born into the family of God as our Father. We have love and affection for our brothers and sisters in Christ, the body of Christ. We, are, we love, to love God is to keep his commandments. And the word observe in this passage connotes to carry out, to practice, to, to keep in a continuous way. And we're motivated to keep his commandments out of love. And we express obedience, not, not out of obligation, but freely and from our hearts. And these commandments are not burdensome. In fact, Jesus himself tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Let's read verses 6 through 12. This is testimony concerning the Son of God. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify. The Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has born according concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in the son and this, verse 12, and whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. We have eternal life. The first thing to know is that we have eternal life. In chapter 5, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. The second thing we know is that God answers our prayers. We have confidence that when we ask in accordance with his will, Jesus himself said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Notice how effectively I'm advancing these slides. We know that we have victory over sin. 
We have victory over sin. We are no longer slaves to sin, no longer continually, habitually engaged in an unbroken pattern of sin. We have freedom not only from the penalty of sin through Christ's death and resurrection, but freedom from the power in our lives. We read in verse 10 that we, this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. We have been born of God. We've been born of God. Born of the spirit of God. The spirit regenerates us. We're born of the spirit. Remember, what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? You must be born again. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let's now read through the end of the chapter. Verses 13 through 21. John's writing these things that we may know that we have eternal life. In verse 14, and this is the confidence toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true and eternal He is the true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. We are protected or kept by God. We have eternal life. I'm not sure I've got these in the right order.
Well, I don't think that's in the right order, but we'll, we're okay with that. Five thirteen. Answered prayer. There's some verses here that I want to address in 16 and 17. I want to spend a lot of time here, but listen to this. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. So what, what, is, what is John saying here? There is a sin that leads to death, an unforgivable sin. It is um, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this some before in Mark 3.29. Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. You see, the Spirit convicts, ultimately reject that. We never come to faith. It is a sin that does indeed lead to death. Now, in this context, because a true believer cannot commit a sin unto death, there could be those that are professing believers who are not. But this sin that leads to death is is that, a final rejection of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Some believe, and it's... um, found throughout the Bible that believers sometimes are, that God takes the life of, believe, of a believer, uh, either to others or even the church. I think Ananias and Sapphira would be a couple of examples, lying to the Holy Spirit. Uh, we read about people who were partaking in an unworthy manner of the Lord's Supper. Um, could, be, could be another. This victory over sin, we've mentioned, we no longer are bound by it. And we know that we have been born of God. And we know that we are kept by God. Kept by him. Jesus Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, I have them, I have guarded them. Perhaps the greatest benediction in all of the Bible, at least from my perspective, is found in Jude, verse 24, that says this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. He's going to keep you. You If you belong to God, he's going to keep you. Isn't that a comforting no? We know that we are of God. We are from God, born of God. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Okay, I'm back on it. Two realms, right? Two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The kingdom of God's dear son. We have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of light. We are God's beloved children 
whom he has given abundant life on this earth and an eternal life in his, glorious pres- in his glorious presence. And we find in the conclusion passage that Jesus Christ is the true God in eternal life. There is none other. There is none other. So, how can you be sure? How can I be sure? If we take the totality of this letter, 1 John, just high level, we look at all of the, the, the key and salient points that men um, sharing with us through the course of these last few weeks Here are the questions or the tests, the introspection that we can engage in to say, how how can I be sure? Number one, do you enjoy fellowship with Christ Jesus and God the Father? The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. Simple question. Do you enjoy fellowship with Jesus Christ and God the Father? You know, one of the most intimate things uh, in the Bible, in my view, this fellowship, this relationship with God, a relationship is two-way, isn't it? It's it's wonderful, wonderful to say that Christ is mine. In the Song of Solomon, it's most, one of the most intimate things. We read this I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. You, you see, just coming off of Valentine's Day, you, you can send that Valentine that says, You're mine. But if the person that you send that Valentine to that says, You're mine, isn't yours? You're, you're not a lover. You might be a stalker. <laughs> In Christ, and my beloved's. And my beloved is mine. That's fellowship. That's relationship. That's intimate relationship. Do you have a biblical understanding in response to sin? By that I mean, do you understand that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? And lest we say that we are without sin, the Bible says that we deceive ourselves. But as believers were to have an awareness and a sensitivity and a biblical understanding of sin such that repentance and a godly response to sin whereby we, are, we confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us. 
as believers, we know we don't have to sin. But when we do, we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. Do you have a biblical understanding and response to sin? Do you obey God's word? 1 John 2, 3 through 6 couldn't be clear. We have come to know him if we keep his commandments. As I mentioned earlier, this is the litmus test of what it means to be a Christian. It's about obedience. And not just the act. It is about the spirit of obedience that comes from our heart. Romans 6.17 says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaved to sin have become obedient from the heart. Do you reject this evil world? 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world or any of the things in the world. When we speak of the world, are we sure? Are we talking about people? No. We're talking about the world system. In this context, the world, the Bible teaches, is dominated by the evil one. John 5, 19. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Second Corinthians tells us that Satan is the god of this world, blinding the eyes of unbelievers. So what are we supposed to reject in this world? What do we reject? We reject false religion. We reject immorality, materialism, pride, power, greed, vain pursuits. It's easy to chum up with the world, isn't it? Get chummy with the world. James warns us against that. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity or hatred toward God? We are in the world, but not of it. In it, but not of it. John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you. And you're not. But because you're not of the world, Jesus says, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Do you reject this evil world? Do you live expectantly in light of Christ's return? 1 John 3, we know that when he appears, we'll be like him. Do you live expectantly in this blessed hope? If you do, it will affect how you live. It will affect how I live. Do you eagerly long to see him? Sometimes I get enamored with things of this world. Do I groan in anticipation as all creation groans, according to Romans 8, in anticipation of the redemptive glory that will come when we see him face to face? 
remind yourself as I remind myself, I am not a citizen here. This is not my home. I'm a sojourner, a foreigner. One day, we'll be home, our true home, those in Christ forever. Do you demonstrate a decreasing pattern of sin in your life? Again, not, not being without sin, but certainly not in an unbroken pattern or a, a state of lawlessness, living literally as if there were no law. Those without Christ have no choice. They, they're slaves to sin. We are not. We're slaves to righteousness. Do you love other Christians? Do you love other Christians? By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Do you enjoy the privilege of fellowship? Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you experience answered prayer? I know some of you actually keep a, a journal. Not, you're not keeping score, you're just keeping a journal, I understand, but it's, do you experience it? The Bible says if we ask according to his will, he answers our prayers. Do you experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit? 1 John 4, 13 and 14, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. In Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. And the ministry of the Spirit is wide-ranging, teaches us, empowers us, reproduces Christ's character in us. Ask yourself this question, do I experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Do you discern truth? From 1 John 4, 1 through 6, test the Spirit's. Because it's in print or in podcast or on the internet doesn't mean it's true, right? Are you a good Berean? Do you discern truth from error? And the foundational point from which to answer that question is from this question alone. Whoever, or this fact alone, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's the right thing to believe. That's the ground zero for all discernment between truth and error. Do you suffer rejection and hatred because of your faith? 1 John 3.13, don't be surprised that the world hates you. Have you experienced animosity, hostility, rejection, alienation, ostracism, prejudice because of your faith? I always thought this would be a great marketing tagline for the church. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.13, we've become and still are like the scum of the world. Want to be scum? Come join us. Now for the test. Do I have assurance that I'm a child of God? Do I have the blessed assurance 
that I am born of God, that I am his and he is mine. And if you don't know, it could be because you've not heard. If you're within the sound of my voice and you've not heard and you don't know, what should you do? In practical terms, read the Gospel of John. Read the Gospel of John. If your answer is no, I don't have that assurance. I don't have that blessed assurance. Here's the question. Do I know the truth? Have I tasted? Do I understand? Have I read? And am I intentionally rejecting the truth? Am I intentionally rejecting the truth? And let me just say, that is a dangerous place to be. Rejecting the ministry of the Holy Spirit can indeed lead to the sin that leads to eternal death. Repeatedly ignoring and rejecting the Spirit hardens our hearts. It's a dangerous thing. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm a believer, but I just, I have doubt. I have these nagging doubts. I'm not sure. What should you do? So many things. Pray, seek counsel. I'll talk to anybody, any of the ministers. John, if you're not sure, read 1 John. Why? Because the letter was written that you may know. You can know. Yes. Blessed assurance. That is God's desire for all of us. He desires that none perish, but that all come to saving faith. That's the box. That's the circle you want to you fill that one in. With this caveat. Some people are sure, but you have to ask this follow-along question, yes, I have this assurance, how do I know? How do I know? And if that lines up with 1 John and the totality of Scripture, Praise the Lord. If the answer to that question, how do I know I have assurance, is I was raised a Christian. I came from a Christian home. I, I go to church. If, if, those, if, if that how do I know list doesn't line up with the inerrant truth of Scripture, but, but sounds a whole lot more like tradition and rules and the things I don't do. and There is a such thing as false assurance. Blessed assurance is from God. And it is, it is his desire for every one of us. Do you know that you have eternal life? Do you know? It doesn't have to be an uncertainty.
Is it well with your soul? It's really all that matters. In this life, we will have trouble. But life is a vapor. And our trials will be light and momentary against the eternal weight of glory. In Christ, we are overcomers. And there is victory in knowing Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I am so grateful that you have in your word laid out for us and in this letter from John the assurance that we may know. Lord, I pray that each one of us would truly be introspective and, and be open to your spirit showing us our heart as you see it that we may have that blessed assurance and where we don't, Lord, that we would be responsive likewise to the drawing ministry of, that brings us to a saving faith in Christ so that all may know. Lord, we love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name.